Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read, The third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus also was invited with his disciples to the wedding. Now it seemed that Jesus wasted no time hitting the streets, so to speak, when it came to the realm of ministry. It was his third day in Galilee, and he was about to make himself known to those on the street in the performance of his first public miracle, a sign of his deity, a sign of his power. By attending this wedding, we see Jesus, the man, not a secluded guru in a cave somewhere, but a very public individual who did normal things like going to weddings. He mixed with the people. He rubbed shoulders with the common man. Jesus was not aloof, nor was he removed. He was not distant. He was and is a social individual. He loves people. By his attendance, we can gather that he also supported the concept of marriage, both philosophically and the civil union. Now, there will always be those who want to argue civil marriage uh, is not God's ordained ideal and that as believers, we should not be married by the state. We must ask ourselves why then, therefore, uh, did Jesus give instruction concerning divorce? Without civil union, there is no divorce. Usually these are the same folks today who don't want to pay taxes, but they still drive on public roads, or they don't want to have a strong military, but they want to live in a free America, etc., etc. Now all of that, however, is a whole other issue better saved, I think, for another day. But let us for the record note that Jesus was attending herein a civil wedding, and he obviously wasn't there to protest. Verse 3, we read, when the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My hour has not yet come. Now, please note that Mary, however blessed she might have been to be the mother of Christ, is not well glorified in this passage whatsoever. In fact, she isn't even mentioned by name. We need to note that Jesus wasn't famous because of his renowned Blessed Virgin Birth Mother. Any fame she had was because of her soon-to-be-quite-famous son. In fact, Scripture always gives the preeminent place to Jesus, not his mother. Now, please note also that Jesus isn't disrespecting his mother here. The word uh, woman, the term woman, Well, it's not derogatory and it's not disrespectful in the original language, but simply a term exercised uh, in a state of good manners. What was behind Mary's request here? We don't know. It would be mere conjecture to attempt to say, although certainly many writers have taken a shot just the same. I mean, was she pushing Jesus into the public arena? Or did she just want some more wine and all the stores were closed? One thing was for sure, Jesus always seemed reluctant to do miracles overtly in the public eye. 
It seemed that he strongly desired not to be known for the signs and wonders, not to be the magic man, if you will, for humanity. His hour, quote unquote, was not in order to do great wonders so as to wow the people, but rather to sacrifice himself upon the cross in redemption for all of mankind. After all, that is why he came. Now, his hour, that word hour, was to be both a symbol, a symbol of, and a reference to his death upon the cross. Verse 5, reading on, it says, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six waters of uh, six water pots of stone set there before the Jews' way of purifying, containing two or three uh, mitres apiece. Jesus said, verse 7, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the ruler of the feast. So they took it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and didn't know where it came from but the servants who had drawn the water they knew the ruler of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him everyone serves the good wine first and when the guests have drunk freely and then that which is worse you've kept the good wine until now now let's just immediately step out into that apparently forbidden acknowledgement that yes jesus made wine it seems that most commentators somehow think that if they acknowledge this fact, that somehow they are promoting the consumption and perhaps even the abuse of alcohol. But no such leap is called for, nor is it even suggested. Let us approach the scriptural account, all of the scriptural account, with honesty and boldness, even in that which perhaps may make us uncomfortable or challenge our preconceived religious mores. The dance around this subject today is varied, but certainly persistent. Usually these folks will say, well, the water in, in that day, it was not always good, so, well, they had to drink water out of necessity. Okay, but then why didn't Jesus just make clean water? I mean, he already had the water, right? <laughs> it's not like the miraculously producing water is a biblical anomaly. I mean, throughout scripture we see it. Jesus asked the woman at the well to draw some water, give him a drink. Um, Abraham did the same with Rebekah. Moses, he gave water right out of the ground to the wandering children of Israel. Proverbs tells us to give our enemies water to drink, and the list goes on and on. Hey, let's just admit it, okay? Jesus made wine because apparently he wanted to. Yet again. That's not a corporate license to drink alcohol. That is something each and every one of us needs to take up with our Lord and to uh, reply and respond accordingly. Not because alcohol is inherently good or bad. We don't even need to get into that question and answer, but rather simply because God said yes, or he said no to you. So with that being said, let us carefully now uh, simply or not simply spiritualize this occurrence. Okay, we can do that to avoid obvious connotations. In this miracle, Jesus did satisfy the thirst of the people. And you know what? He's been spiritually doing that same thing for all of mankind since that day. The practice at wedding feasts in that day and age would be to serve the good wine at first when everyone was still sober and still having a discriminating taste. 
But once everyone becomes somewhat, if not very intoxicated, well, then the chief stuff was brought out and served in plenty. Ironically, it's the same way Satan tends to work on our young people today. He brings out the best to entice them to indulge, and by the time the cheap junk comes out, well, they're drunk on the world, lost in the temporary pleasures of it all, ultimately to be left thirsty, holding nothing but life's dregs in old age. It's kind of like being a junkie. I mean, it's fun at first, and we enjoy the buzz, but ultimately we end up selling everything we have and deny everyone who ever loved us. I mean, we'll end up being willing to beg, borrow, and steal to get that fix. No longer is it a joy, but now simply a desperate need that no longer fills the void as it once did. At that moment, if you listen closely, you just might be able to hear the demonic realm snicker at the con job they pulled on you. We call it the old bait and switch. Taking your best years and leaving you with nothing but scars and loneliness. Now notice that Mary's last words recorded in scripture herein, give all the glory to the son as they well should. She says, quote, do whatever he tells you to do, end quote. Amen, amen. Thus the servants did just that. And there's no record here that they questioned his directives or sloughed off in their service. They just did it. No questions asked. Verse 11 says, this, this beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now the bottom line in this story was not to provide plenty to drink at the wedding. It was rather to reveal his glory, quote unquote. I think much too much is being made as to what he did in the performance of this miracle instead of the fact that Jesus performed this miracle so that he might be known by those around him for what he was, God in flesh. This was only the beginning of the miraculous signs, putting to rest any of those pseudo-gospel accounts. Because if it says here that this was the beginning of his signs, then there wasn't any earlier. So we get into these pseudo-gospel accounts like uh, the Gospel of Peter, quote-unquote. They record childhood miracles performed by a prepubescent Jesus. Moses, he turned the water of the Nile into blood, speaking of judgment, and Jesus turned the water into wine, speaking of joy. It was... For all the world, a new day. One of the joy and one of restoration and salvation. Jesus was in the house, quote unquote. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. <laughs>